Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I'm your host. And today, Becca McKay and I talk about um, how to talk to your kids about uh, unthinkable tragedies. Um, This came up in our mind uh, specifically right now. If you're listening to this right when this episode drops, um, it is October 2023, and um, the conflict or war between uh, Israel and Hamas has just broken out. Um, That will be the only two times you hear those words today. either Hamas or Israel, because we are not going to tell you uh, what to think about the war. We're not going to wade into politics. We're not going to talk about um, any of the things that are happening with that particular conflict. What we wanted to do, um, as some of us on staff were talking with our means about how to process the stuff that they're seeing on the news or hearing about in school, um, it it helped us think, you know, we probably should share this with you as well. And so we wanted to talk about how to talk to your kids about unspeakable, unthinkable, hard tragedies. Um, and, and as we'll talk about in the episode, it's obviously not limited to war. Um, it might not even always be something that everybody would categorize in that category. So um, just to say that this is an episode where we're going to talk about that. Um, and we're going to talk about that um, with Becca now. Okay, so Becca McKay is here with us, and Becca, we're going to talk about um, how to talk to your kids about unthinkable tragedies. Um, this, as I said in the open, like might be related to a current event happening right now, or it might be something that um, affects you just and your nuclear family, or it might affect just your street or just your community or um, your school, your uh, church, whatever it might be. Um, This could be terrorism. This could be violence related. This could be natural disaster related. But um, there are difficult things that uh, usually leave us speechless that happen a lot. Uh, just in the world. And so for those of us who are caring for kids in any capacity, be it a school teacher or juvenile justice worker or a parent or a foster parent or what you, you name it, if you are caring for kids in your life, um, knowing how to talk about really difficult things with them is, is vital. And so um, that's a long introduction, but Thank you for coming on. And let's just, why don't we start there, Becca? When you think about this, I mean, you, you've you had to particularly talk to um, groups of children before about some pretty incredibly hard things. And so how did you begin to approach that with them? Absolutely. So I think um, the first thing I would say is to be aware. So uh, many of us, for valid reasons, take social media breaks or we limit our, our own as adults exposure to the media. Um, and that is 100% understandable and needed yeah. because like the access to knowing all the hard things that are happening around the globe in this day and age can be extremely like exhausting. It can be damaging right. to your mental health. Yeah. Um, all those different things can happen. But I would say, first of all, just be aware of the types of things that your kid might be hearing about. Um, in other contexts, maybe they go to school and they hear it from their school friends. Maybe they're homeschooled, but they yeah. hear it in their co-op or their faith community. Maybe they're hearing it from older cousins or friends. So just kind of have a pulse on 
what are the things that someone else might be talking to my kid about that are happening either, like you said, in the world, maybe in our country, maybe in our neighborhood, maybe in our school. So kind of, you know, step number one, be aware of what's going on around your kid and what they could be exposed to. Yeah. Um, You know, I think this can be difficult uh, because there's always something happening, right? Um, so I would, the thing that I would add to this would just be, um, be aware and then be intentional about being aware sort of through your kids. Right. So like, um, one of the things that my wife is, is amazing at Elizabeth is an awesome, uh, conversationalist with our kids. Mm -hmm. Like she wants to navigate, like what's going on with your friends, what's going on with so-and-so like asking specific questions about how their kids are doing or how their friends are doing. Um, and then, you know, she'll say like, Hey, is anybody talking about, and different things might be current events right now. Uh, I mean, serious or funny or whatever, like, you know, uh, we had a friend who's, who's kid, uh, tripped in front of the school and um fell down and made a huge spectacle of it and like made everybody laugh over it and like and then popped up and was really funny about it and just it took it in stride wasn't super embarrassed just yeah. took the opportunity to like be a class con make everybody laugh and so that afternoon it was like hey did everybody talk about someone so tripping at the school like so it doesn't have to always be like is anyone talking about war today? Like, it doesn't have to be that, but just being aware of what your kids are thinking about. Sometimes there's things that aren't even on our radar that uh, we ask, you know, questions in carpool in the afternoon and everyone harps on the exact same thing that we didn't think was a big deal. Well, that clues us in, like that's something they're feeling. So let's, let's talk with them about that. And so that's the only thing I would add to, to that. Um, you know, one of the things that you've talked about before is thinking and planning ahead. You want to talk about that? Like, how do you, how do you do that? Sometimes you're hearing about things real time, right? So how do you think and plan ahead? Yeah. Once you become aware of an event um, and, you know, it could be something in the news that's like a global war, could be thinking about something like a pandemic or could be more close to home, like friend lost a family member or school community lost someone or, um, someone got really sick and had to have surgery. So it could be kind of those types of things. So when you become aware of that, take a minute and just process. If you're parenting with a partner, this is a great thing to just chat through briefly. If you're not, call a friend, um, call someone that you trust and just process your kids' ages, their stages, um, and their states. So their age obviously is a given. Their stage, their developmental stage. Think about their maturity level. Think about their... um, state, like, how are they right now? Are they super stressed? Are they super silly? Are they super calm? Think about the best time and place to open up that conversation. When you're talking about unthinkable tragedies, um, planning ahead does not mean have all the answers because we don't, we do not have the answer to how could something so evil happen? Why is so-and-so doing such, such things? Why did we lose that person now? Um, Think about your beliefs, your values. Think about in advance, maybe what questions your kid might have, but not so you can answer all of them, but just so you can be prepared and regulated. And then as soon as you're ready, open the conversation. Um, We often think that when we don't talk about things, we're shielding or protecting our kids. But if we're not bringing the conversations up, a couple of things can happen. One, we might be like accidentally communicating, hey, we're, we don't talk about that. Yeah. Um, either on purpose or an accident, we might communicate to our kids or preteens or teenagers. Yeah. We don't talk about that. 
Um, that is not something we talk about. So you do want to open the conversation. And we don't want the second thing is we don't want our kids to find the information that they're looking for from unreliable sources. Man, yes. What do I mean by that? Peers, social media, someone's, you know, older cousin, like we don't want them to be looking for information about what has happened from those unreliable types of places. Yeah. Well, and this, this transfers over to a whole lot of issues, right? Like you could apply this principle to talking about anything you find difficult at all, talking to yeah. kids about sex. Like yeah. you do not want, you know, other 11 year old kids giving sex ed to your kids because that is, you know, blind leading the blind. Like that is, um, everybody, uh, is worse off in that situation. Right. So like this is, um, yeah, it transfers across a whole lot of different realms. Like we've, we've got to find, uh, the way to take care of ourselves, mm-hmm. um, first and, and prep for that. Like if that's, if that's something that feels incredibly heavy to you or very difficult to you, do the work to regulate yourself first before taking information to them. Don't deliver it to them in a frenzy, but do your own work. And then once you've kind of regulated, then rip the bandit off, go have a conversation. I guess I skipped over one thing, which is there are ages and stages that you might decide we're not going to talk about that. So yeah. um, I guess I did skip over that. So if you're listening and you're like, you're telling me to sit down with my two-year-old <laughs> and talk about X, Y, Z. No, unless it's someone that you lost in your community that the two-year-old is used to seeing every right. Sunday. And so Literally. think about how your kids might be impacted. This is not like a blanket statement, but we just do want to be mindful of those ages and stages. Um, what I will say is kids can can hear hard things younger than we think they can. Um, so don't be scared. Don't be scared to open up conversations with your younger kids in basic ways about things that they might be bumping up against in their day-to-day life. Yeah. Um, something that you've said, and um, Dr. Catherine Blightney, who's been on with us before, is a huge advocate of as well. Use accurate and real terms to describe what's happening. Um Talk more about the. I mean, this is like, uh, again, another difficult one for some people hand up to handle. So, yeah, it seems so scary and so hard, but uh, we've got to use the right vocab so that our kids learn what things are. So yeah. maybe a um, couple of examples, like if there's a school shooting, saying the words school shooting, if there's a war or a terrorist attack, um, you mentioned sex. So if there's body parts. Um, yeah. saying that someone died. Uh, these are terms that are big and emotionally charged. And a lot of adults try to soften the blow. We'll use death as an example. A lot of adults mm-hmm. want to say um, they're no longer with us. Uh, they've gone on ahead. They're in glory. Yeah. They're, um, they've gone to sleep. Like we say things hoping, hoping to soften the blow, yeah. but it can be very confusing for a kid who doesn't yet have the brain space to like really understand what's going on. Right. And so, yes, it is really hard to sit with a four-year-old and tell them that someone they loved has died. But I am saying, use those words, use the real words yeah. gently and accurately and then describe what they are in age appropriate terms. Um, Skipping that step, man, can just make it, we can think we just had the best conversation ever with our kids and they may walk away going, I've like, Oh, this means X, Y, Z, or, Oh, I guess so like this could happen or they, they can just, their imaginations can run kind of wild. And I think along this line, like um, we have to remember that hard things are hard. 
Yeah. Like there's, there's no softening the blow of losing a loved one. Yeah. Um, having a loved one pass away. Right. So like, um, it doesn't like the pain is going to be there. The grief is going to be there. The loss is there. So to try to soften the blow in a way that might bring out more questions from the kid to eventually get to the point of, well, they're, no, they're, they're dead. Like that is impossibly hard. And so the, the more succinct, obviously, like you said, gentle you can be, but like not running around the world to get to hard news. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that that is incredibly hard, but if we can teach our kids too, that when the hard things happen, it, that's not like, no, we need to be tough. We need to be tough. You know, that's right. what that's what they would have wanted. They would have wanted us to be tough. Don't don't cry. Like understand they're in a better place. What those, those kind of things are not helpful in the moment, right? Like let's let that tender moment be tender mm-hmm. and sit with kids in it. And, and I think this is one of those moments where it's okay to be more responsive than it is that's to right. be um prescriptive proactive or, and prescriptive. Yeah. yeah. So like rather than you know, you, you've got news to share, obviously, but maybe let the agenda stop there. Mm-hmm. And after that news is shared, it's, I know that's a lot to handle. Do you, do you have any questions that you want to ask me? Do you mm-hmm. just want to sit and cry for a few minutes? Like, and, and validate those feelings. It is sad. That That is so, mm-hmm. it is really sad. This happened. It's, it's really difficult. Um, But that will give you an opportunity to kind of see where they're at with the information. And sometimes it's going to be, oh man, um, can we have grilled cheese for lunch? Like, and sometimes it's going right. to be like, an hour of weeping and gnashing of teeth, you know? And so um, just let your kids kind of lead those moments and and be with them, get them what they need. What they need is you and your presence um, in those moments of hearing hard information. And so um, that's such a good reminder because you might have a kid who like really feels the emotions of it. You might be expecting that. Like you might be expecting if you feel particularly sad about something and you're sharing it, you might be looking for them to have that same reaction. Right. But kids will respond in a million different ways. So if their response is, can I get a grilled cheese and play Minecraft? That doesn't mean that they didn't hear you. It might mean that they're not emotionally ready to sit with the feelings of it. So I love that reminder to just follow their lead. Some kids naturally are curious and they're going to have a hundred questions. Others are going to shut down on you. They don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, Be open to not having to, like you said, JD, prescribe the moment or like, if someone is, can I get a grilled cheese? You don't need to go, how dare you? That's completely inappropriate. Right. We are uncomfortable as human people with sadness, hurt, yeah. and 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 those really tragic moments. And so it is okay to follow your kid's lead. You're opening the conversation. You're letting them know that you're there. You're reassuring them. But then you're... Um, following where they go, you're, you're going to think about this whole time. What's their age? What's their stage? What's their state? Answer little kids questions with more generic and basic answers while giving your older, more mature kids, more complexity, more nuance. Um, that's just good, you know, good adulting, I guess, is just, is just being responsive to that. And when you say generic, you mean probably like the most, the most like, uh, like easy to understand answers, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I, well, only thing I would add to this would just be as you, um, as time goes by and, and particularly if it's something that was directly affecting that child or like their regular routine of life, 
um, if it's loss of a, of a teacher or of a Sunday school teacher or a, a friend that they regularly see, um, it, it, I would encourage you to not just have the conversation once, yeah, uh, but to just check in on them over the next few weeks. Hey, I just want to check in and see if you how you're doing and how you're feeling since you know, we lost so-and-so or, or since like, have you, have you been thinking about it more? Did you have any questions? Did you want to talk about it anymore? Like, I just want you to know, I've been thinking about you and, um, and, and you're completely free to come and talk to us about that or, or to just be able to be sad, like understand that you can do that. You know, I think just kind of reassuring and reminding them as you go, like we, we want to work to, to fight against teaching our kids to bottle that stuff up or teaching them to dismiss feelings that come through because, the way we become healthy as as I was gonna say as adults as people is is to walk through hard things and and figure out what, how does it affect us and how did it make us feel and what do we need to then be able to move forward with an understanding of what happened and what it meant for us and and how it felt and so um, that's you know I, there's a, a cross country coach I had growing up and he used to always. Uh, yell at us we had a, a very hilly home course and so and if you've ever been a runner or you've ever uh walked <laughs> anywhere in life like hills are terrible as a human it's just not fun to go up an incline like that and so um he used to use that for life metaphors all the time but he would be like you can't run around the hills you can't run around the hills and because if you're running a race you get disqualified if you just cut out the hard part right so like and he would always remind us like that was life too. Like life's going to throw you hills and you can't run around the hills. You, you've got to, you got to walk them. So sometimes that means that you got to adjust your pace. You got to go slower. Sometimes that means that you're the kind of person that you want to, you want to go and process through and like push through hard stuff uh, to get to the other side. Some of you want to take it slowly and and go. It's up to you. The only non-negotiable is that you got to go through it, not around it. And so we can't act like it didn't happen. We got to, process through that time and it's painful and it's difficult but it's a it's a necessity for us um okay the next thing on uh your list becky provide reassurance routines and choices to establish fellow safety i know there's a lot to unpack there but uh there's like just a harsh reality that we cannot protect our kid from experiencing pain or from hearing about pain or from being exposed to tragedy um if you just think about the news cycle, there are horrific, horrible, unbelievably unthinkable things happening. And if you if you were to scroll back, if you were to just keep scrolling back, every couple of weeks, there's something else. Right. There's a natural disaster. There is uh, something involving terror or war or violence. There is something in, in, involving loss. So that's just a reality of life. And we want to take time to reassure our kids' emotions communicate that we are present with them and with kids it is so important to lean on those routines and rituals that they're used to yeah. to reestablish felt safety as much as they're able to um if the event is especially impactful to your kid give choices give them you know hey let's have some time to process this or would you rather keep going i'll share a personal example i was in 5th grade when 911 happened and i can remember as clear as day when our teacher sat us down and told us, now I lived in a different time zone. So I was hearing about it in the morning, although it had happened the day before. So I had already heard about it at home. I had watched it on the news as a, you know, how old are you in fifth grade? Like as an 11 year old, I'm taking in these like images and everyone's feeling scared and nervous. 
and we go to school and our teacher, you know, did all these things. She thought about us. She opened the conversation. She leaned into it. She told us what it was. And then I so clearly remember JD, she was saying, okay, guys, let's take a class vote. Do we want to keep talking about this or do we want to do our next thing, which would have been spelling or math or whatever. And every single one of us said, we just want to do spelling and math. So we were able to communicate at our age and our state and our state. We want to feel normal. Yeah. Um, I think about other times in my life when I couldn't make that. I had to, I had to sit with the group. It was too close. It wasn't a far away event on the news. It was like a personal event and I couldn't step up and go to math class. Like I needed a minute. So depending on the situation, depending on your kid's age, even their personality. Um, one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do was sit with a, with a group of third through fifth graders and tell them their beloved teacher had passed away very suddenly. Hmm. Um, Ooh, that is a hard space to sit in. And what we did before is we met as a staff and we came up with three places that the kids could go and choices on what to do. So there was a teacher who was like, I am okay to have our normal day with the kids that want to do that. Yeah. Another teacher sat and wrote cards and letters to family members and friends and drew pictures and um, had that moment of like, let's just sit with it. And then there was a third option of... Um, more sensory, like uh, we had weighted blankets and music and like a different experience. And so um, it, I'm not saying that that is the model for everyone, but it worked well. That's what you guys needed. It worked well because it gave them the autonomy to say, look, I'm sad, but I got to go to math. I can't do this. Yeah. Or I'm so upset. I cannot do math. I I need to do this. And so just you won't always have a chance to do it that way, but what are the choices you can build in to give them the autonomy to let you know kind of where they are and how they're processing? Gosh, that's really, really good. Um, I I think, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, and this is by no means an exhaustive list of stuff, Mm -hmm. but these are just kind of our, this is like our bullet point guides to the situation. But, um, one that is probably instinctive for most of us or that we that we do naturally think of is to show empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two things that when somebody else is experiencing grief and loss, like that, that is something that never runs out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Mo was the first person I ever heard it. And I don't know who the original quote is from, but he, he had a thing in his uh, uh, old office that just said, compassion doesn't have a shelf life. And um, there's no expiration date on it. It doesn't, you know, there's no sell by or best by date on the, on compassion. Like it is good forever. It never runs out. And so, um, and so I just, you know, whether it's directly related to it um, or if it's uh, just kind of like kindness of family and friends, just, just reminding um, your kids, reminding the people that are affected by this, that you love them, that you're there with them. um, And, and, trying to stay away from kind of fixing phrases like, Mm -hmm. Hey, it's going to be okay. Don't, don't worry about this. Like everything's, you know, I know this is sad, but like we we can stay away from that. Or I know this is really scary, but don't, you know, like the dismissive type um, statements in a situation can often cause more harm than good um, because we teach kids that like if something is really hard to not think about the hard thing and to think about how it'll be over. And uh, in life, not everything has that luxury, right? So we want to teach them how to sit with that. 
I know this is scary. And you can ask any questions you want to ask. Um, you, you can know that you're safe with me or whatever. Like, so I think there's that kind of language, but, but allowing kids uh, who feel these things in a, in a more intense way than others to feel those things and to let them know that your presence is there, like you're there mm-hmm. to be able to sit with them um, during a really hard time. I like what you said too. You said, um, show your kids empathy. And also I like thinking about what you're talking about modeling that they can show empathy. They yes. can extend it out. Yeah. You, you know, uh, I don't know who to quote cause it's so widespread, yeah. but you can't do everything, but you can do something. Yeah. It's kind of like something I like to think about with tragedy. Right. So, uh, I couldn't do anything as a fifth grader about 9-11. There was nothing right. I could do, but I could write kind letters to my classmates or I could help my mom make dinner or I could like yeah. giving them a pathway forward can be really meaningful and impactful. If there's a tragedy that's local, you can send letters, jump on meal trains as a family, help folks right. out in real life with bigger tragedies. It's harder, but Maybe your family's interested in donating or giving. And instead of you just doing that as the adult, talk to your kids about it. Hey, we talked about something real hard. This doesn't fix it. But I do want you to know that like as a family, when stuff like this happens, we look for ways to give and to help and to support. And um, that's just an option, kind of a way to help them transition, give them a little bit of of something that feels a little productive. Um, Another quote I want to share from one of our very favorite people ever, Carissa Woodwike, was yeah. talking recently about how do I sit with people in hard things? And she shared a phrase that we've started to use kind of around the office because it's really impactful. And what she shared was um, looking at someone in the eye and saying, what happened to you matters to me. Hmm. And she was saying it as kind of a uh, an opposite of, instead of saying, I'm so sorry, because I'm so sorry could sound kind of dismissive or like you don't care as much. She was saying, instead of, you know, anytime that I would want to say, I'm so sorry that that happened, instead flipping it to what happened to you really matters to me. Um, And I found myself with friends walking through hard things. I found myself using that phrase a little bit more uh, just to be able to communicate what I mean, which is I'm with you. It matters to me. You matter to me. Um, at times the tragedy is so far away. Other times it's right up, it's right up in our backyards. It's right up in our homes. Yeah. Um, these are general tips that can guide the conversation, but they're not exhaustive. And if your kid, your family, your community has experienced some kind of tragedy and your kid is really struggling to process it after you've taken these steps, even please don't hesitate to reach out to a mental health professional that specializes in kids who can walk alongside. There's lots of complicating factors that we didn't get into as to why some things might be extra difficult to process for some of our kids. Yeah. That, and I'm so glad you said that. Like that is sort of the backstop you have as a, as a parent. Like sometimes we're going to feel like this is difficult, but I can do this. Um, and I mentioned ripping off the bandaid earlier. And so, you know, there are things that we might have a, a, an amount of fear about, um, but the difficulty is in initiating the conversation, not in knowing how to navigate it. And so some of those more complex yeah. situations or when the reactions are more complex than you're expecting, um, there is uh, there are thousands of uh, licensed therapists and professionals around the country, um, around the world who, and, and then even as we know, um, on several platforms online now where where the you know telehealth is available um, through different platforms that are not paying us to advertise so I'm not going to say their websites right now <laughs> but um, but you can you can find them and so um, I would say that's something just to keep in mind that like 
there are people whose whole job is to help you navigate really tough stuff. And uh, when you need that help, get that help. And I think that's all we've got to say, Becca. <laughs> yeah. I would say you're not alone. If yeah. you are, if you're a parent who's like, oh, I haven't talked to my kids about tragedy ever. It's not too late to start opening yeah. the conversations. If you're somebody who's like, no, I've been trying, but my kid is really, is really not, it's not working. They're not doing okay. Um, yeah. Don't be alone. Find help, find support. Yeah. Um, but no matter where you are, uh, be responsive to your kid and your situation and your family and just pay attention to how they're doing. But um, it is scary. So I'm not going to say don't be scared, but I am going to say you're not alone. Yes. <laughs> and you can do it. You can sit with them. You can slow down. You can open the conversation. Yeah. And just do it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, thank you. Well, great stuff from Becca today and just a conversation that I think is so needed for all of us to have. Um, I, I would just encourage you again, like w- what we closed with, um, sometimes things are going to be difficult, but you can do it. Sometimes things are difficult and get really complex. And then you need to seek out other help. Don't get stuck there. Don't get, um, don't be too afraid at that point to then reach out for help. And so whether that's um, first to a, a friend or family member, or or if that's to a local therapist or counseling center or something like that, that's great. Otherwise, you can look online, different resources. Uh, but don't sit idle when you get stuck in those moments. Um, definitely reach out, whether it's to a friend or to a professional, um, to begin getting the help you need if that is what you need in that moment. So uh, take care of yourself. Obviously, we can't take care of our kids without taking care of ourselves. And so um, that's my last reminder on that. Um, In a completely different tone and probably too abrupt of a transition, I'll just remind you that November 12th, we have um, our first ever Global Connection event. It's our fundraiser for um, Empower to Connect, which is happening in Memphis, Tennessee. But you are invited, um, no matter where you are, it's going to be a night with Nate Bargassi, who is, um, I would just say, genuinely a world famous uh, comedian. He is hosting Saturday Night Live this coming weekend. Um, he is a clean comedian uh, and somebody that if you have not watched his stand up, uh, sit the family down tonight. Don't even eat dinner yet. Like eat dinner while you're watching this. Sit down and watch his latest special. It's hilarious. But uh, we would love to have you. So we're having um, Nate come and do an hour of completely original, uh, unreleased comedy with us November 12th. Um, and we're going to get to share a little more about what we're doing at Empowered to Connect, what the future has to hold um, for us and um, try to raise some money so that that could, that uh, that capacity can be built to meet the challenges that are coming uh, down the road for us, um, both in, in Memphis and the state of Tennessee and um, globally around the world. And so we're so, so excited about it. For more information to get tickets, head to empoweredtoconnect.org slash investing in hope, um, or you can click the link below in the show notes. And um, that's all I've got for today. So for everybody here at Empowered to Connect, uh, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empowered to Connect podcast, uh, and everybody here at ATC, I'm J.D. Wilson, and we'll see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast. 